Good morning, Centerpoint Church. Good morning. How is everybody doing this morning? Did you guys have a good 4th of July? Awesome. Great. Well, I'm so excited to be continuing in the basic training series this morning. And uh, one of the things that I love to do before we ever even jump into the Word is to just give honor where honor is due. And I don't believe in worshiping man, but I do believe in giving honor to our lead pastor today. And uh, I just want to say it's such a privilege, even after three and a half years of, of being at this church, um, I, I really don't take this opportunity lightly, um, and I'm so privileged to be able to stand on his shoulders this morning and, and present the word this morning. And so, do you guys love your lead pastors? Do we honor them today? It's even better when they're not even in the building right now, because we should be speaking good on their behalf always. And so, um, just excited. We're going to be in James uh, today, James chapter 2. You probably have it in your bookmarks in your Bible, because we've been studying through. I've read through the book of James probably about six times this week, just, just sitting in it, just learning from James. And uh, so if you want to turn there with me, we're going we're gonna to get going right now. Uh, James chapter 2, starting in verse 14. Shout at me when you're there. All right. James chapter 2. You beat me to it. That's not, that's not a good sign when, <laughs> when I got to find it. Okay. Uh, James chapter 2, starting in verse 14. Starting in verse 14, James chapter 2, New Testament, all the way towards Revelation. James chapter 2, verse 14 says this. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you that in this room right now, over the next 30 minutes, God, anything good could happen in this room right now. God, we have the faith to believe, God, that you can change lives in an instant. Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit to come into this room right now. God, would you give us the tongue of the learn? Give us the mind of a student this morning, that we would lean in, that we would learn something, that we would walk away from this building, not only challenged, but changed this morning. Jesus, we desperately need to hear from you this morning. Speak to us. Strengthen us. It's in the powerful name, your name, in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. So today I get to talk on the subject of faith, and I want to tell you the title of my message. You're going to tell your neighbor, both neighbors, your first pick and your second pick. Faith still works. Tell your neighbor. Faith still works. Works. And, um, you know, I, I, 
I love teaching on the subject of faith. And in, in, in fact, I've I spent a few years studying faith because I wrote a book last year called Faith in the Middle. And so faith is one of my favorite subjects, but James has a way of, of describing faith that provokes something within me. It awakens something within me, and I know it's going to awaken something within you this morning because the Bible talks about in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it is impossible to please God without what? It is impossible to please God without faith. I try to explain this to the teenagers and the young ones in the youth ministry, and I say, listen, even if you clean up your life, even if you stop popping, drinking, and smoking, and running with people who do, you will still not be closer to God as you were when you were still in the mess. Why? Because it is impossible to please God without faith. See, we could do the right things, but that doesn't impress God. There are more people who live morally better standard lives than some people who claim to be Christians, and they are not saved and will not go to heaven. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. The only distinction that makes us different is that we as believers say that we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that we may be saved through Jesus. Some people live their lives thinking that they are right with God because they go to church. That doesn't impress God. There are a lot of people who are forced to go to church. <laughs> that does not impress God. In fact, you know, the, the thing is, guys, is that you, you could do right on your taxes. You, you could stop lusting. You, you could live a, betterly, a, a better standard for your life. But, but don't get confused that faith doesn't mean discipline. Just because you have a lot of discipline does not mean that you are right with God. It is by faith that God is pleased. You aren't hearing me today. No one's talking back to me. That means it's really good. Okay. If we worship a God that we cannot please unless we have faith, then we must understand what faith is. And we must understand what can grow faith and what can kill faith. See, in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, it says that it is through faith that a righteous person has life. See, faith moves God, and God moves mountains. Faith marvels God, and when God is marveled, the miraculous happen. People are healed. People are set free. People are redeemed. It is through faith that God stops in his tracks. You, you know the story, it's... Um, it's when, when Jesus is going to heal Jairus, his daughter, and, and he goes to the house where, where his 12-year-old daughter is dead and they're doing the funeral and he walks into the room in the upper room where her body is laying and he kicks out everybody in the room who's laughing at him saying that she's asleep. What is he doing? He's removing people from the room who don't have faith. I wanna be marked as a believer who has the kind of faith that I can be in the room with God. Do you want that kind of faith? Do you want to be marked as the kind of person that God says, I could use somebody like you, somebody that will build an ark where there's no rain, somebody that will say, I will rather be in the fire than bow down to a false idol, the kind of believer that would say, yeah, I may be old and you say I'm crazy, but I'm still holding on to a promise from 18 years ago that I will have a child. The kind of faith that would say, God, if you say that you want me to go back to school, even if I'm 40 and have multiple kids, I'll go back for a degree. Why? It's that kind of faith that stops God in his tracks. 
The Satyrian Roman officer in Mark 7, you probably know the story, it's, it's that this Roman officer, he's, he's looking for Jesus because one of his, his Gentile servants is sick, and he finds Jesus, and he comes up to him, and, and he says, I, I, I know who you are. I am unworthy, but just say the word, and I'll go. At this time, Jesus turns around, looks at the crowd, and he says, I haven't seen this kind of faith ever. And it says that Jesus was marveled. Can I tell you today that there is a kind of faith that marvels God? What kind of faith would it take to surprise a God who knows all things? A God who can do all things. Can I tell you, I want to be a type of person who has that kind of faith that would stop God on his assignment and say, wow, I haven't seen a faith like that in all of 2019. And I see some people in Marietta, California at a church called Centerpoint. Oh, you don't want to talk to me today, do you? The, the kind of faith that would say, oh, there's some sick people walking in the street. We're going to go pray for them and see them heal. The kind of faith where the miraculous takes place. The, the, the kind of faith, the Bible says that the kingdom of heaven suffer violence and the violent take it by force. The kind of faith that will stop people and say, let me pray for you. The kind of faith that will see miracles take place. That's the kind of faith. We're going to go back into verse 14. Verse 14 again, it it says this, it says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, this is, this is one of those messages where we live in a tension, don't we? Because if you know, if you're, if you're familiar with what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, which I don't have it on the screens, but it, it talks about that, that is, it is not good deeds that makes you right with God, Right? And then in this passage, we, we see that his faith without good deeds is dead. And so, see, uh, good deeds with a dead faith doesn't work, and good faith with no deeds doesn't work. So they, they both are saying the same thing. You know what they're saying? They're saying that faith and obedience have to be in agreement. Yeah. They, they have to be in agreement. It, is, it, is, it's, it doesn't work if you just, God, how do you, how do you say this to me? Faith doesn't work if you have it. Faith only works if you use it. Amen. Boy, you will see people who have that kind of faith. When, when, when you're pushed up into a corner and your character is tested, you'll know which people have faith. It, it's the, they can't help but just be optimistic. They can't help but just believe for the better outcome. They can't help but interject some joy and some peace into the circumstance. You know, it is, it is through... Count it, consider it all joy, right? The testing of your faith that it will produce endurance and endurance what is produced at its fullest will be mature, lacking in nothing. It, consider it joy though when your faith is being tested. But James is saying, listen, if you don't have good deeds to match up your faith, your faith is dead. And so I, I was sitting in a, uh, in a, in a service, um, actually it was a conference, it was last year in, in November, and I was sitting in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And when I was sitting in there, um, I started seeing a vision of a bridge. And on the top, it said New York City. And on the right, it said Oakwood. Now, I've only been to 
New York once, and it was a um, long, long, long time ago. So I'm not familiar with the area at all. And, uh, and I have a folder in my phone that I call prophetic words. And so whenever I feel like I'm hearing from God, I just jot it down in my phone. And then if I need to come back to it, I can. It's a great practice. You should try it. And, and so I have a picture of it, actually. And so here it is, November 10th, 2018, New York City, Oakwood, I saw a highway going far right. The sign above it said New York and another sign said Oakwood. So then I asked myself some questions. What does this mean? Where is this? Is this word for me or for someone else? Is this the, sit, the next city we're supposed to move to? Don't worry, I'm not moving. And um, <clears throat> the, the very next, uh, uh, well, basically what ended up happening was I totally forgot about it. Then about six weeks later, I'm getting ready to go on a senior trip. I'm taking my seniors up to, um, to Idlewild. And I'm meeting some of the new students that I've never met before. And I met this, this young man and I said, hey, where are, you, where are you from? And he says, oh, I'm from Oakwood, New York. I said, oh, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm glad that you're here today. Why don't you ride with me? So he gets in the car with me and, and we start driving up the mountain and uh, found out that he was, he was homeless in New York and had to pack his bags and had to basically sell drugs, tried to figure out ways to make money. And, and uh, you know, his, his family members said, hey, I want a better life for you. So here's a one-way plane ticket. Come to Marietta. As long as you stop slaying drugs, you start going to church and stay out of trouble, you can live in this house. So he was at a church camp. So I said, well, you're going to be in my cabin then. And so he, he, he slept in the bed right next to me. So I keep two eyes on him, you know what I'm saying? And <clears throat> at 1.30 in the morning, I wake up. And he's not there. And I was like, oh, he's probably in the bathroom. So I just waited for a second. Five minutes go by, 10 minutes go by. I was like, I better go look for this kid. So at 1.30 in the morning, I'm out in the mountains trying to find this, this kid, and I can't find him. Finally, I, I find him, and, you know, and he's just kind of like standoffish. The, the next day, we, um, we're sitting in our youth group time, and he's asking other people. He's like, you know what? I just don't get it. Like, you guys say that you hear God. Like, how do you hear God? Like, I've never heard God in my entire life. And he's just like asking these real questions that I loved. Uh, and, and I'm getting ready to say something. And then students start speaking up. Right, Chloe? Chloe was there. Chloe was one of them. And, and the students start speaking up. And uh, you could just see that his gears are churning and all these things. The, the third night, we, we went to this old chapel. And I have a picture of it. And in this old chapel, there's this room uh, up in the front. And there's a, there's a wooden altar. It's this old, 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 old church building, super old. And, uh, and it was just something about being in an old church. You know, it just, it awakens something as a pastor. I just, I want to spend time in there. I just, I feel the presence of God in this, in this room. And so I, I said, hey, you know what? Let's, let's just hang out here afterwards. You and I can just get some one-on-one -on -one time. Everybody else can go do their thing. And so we're standing up there in the front. And we just start talking. He's sharing his story. I'm sharing my story. You know, we're laughing together. We're crying together, right? And, and, and nothing really comes of it. But the next day, I, I had an opportunity to go speak in Riverside. And when I got to... Uh, the end of the message, the, the worship leader comes back up and, and he, says, uh, he says, hey, he goes, uh, we're going to invite the pastor back up. He's going to pray for healing. I was like, I wasn't right for that. <laughs> but all right, ready in season, right? You know? And so I, I get up there and, and I'm like, okay, I'm like, God, what do you want, what do you want to pray for? And, and, uh, and I asked God and God was like, you know, you know back, you know? So I just said, does anybody have any back pain? 
I'm looking around, not one person in this room of hundreds of people has back pain. I was like, this is a one time that this ever happened, right? And, uh, and then finally, I see there's movement in the crowd, and, and that young student comes up to the front. He says, I have back pain, but he's never been to church before, so he doesn't know that you're supposed to stand up here. He comes up on the platform, and he's, he's mad-dogging everybody like this, like... I was like, okay, I'll hold still. You know, so we, I said, would you extend your hands? Let's all pray right now. So we start praying for his back. Keep in mind that he's never been prayed for his entire life. In that moment, we're laying hands on him. His back gets healed in that moment. And he looks at me and he says, you mean this stuff actually works? And I said, yeah, it works. I said, that's, that's how much God loves you. He said, he said, let's pray for some more people. So he grabs the mic and he says, anybody else who's sick, come up here right now. <laughs> this is going to mess with some religious people because I don't even know if he's saved yet. Like he hasn't even said the sinner's prayer and he's inviting people up to the front to get healed. And this guy who, who didn't even know God is, is reaching out and touching people and believing God to heal them. He said, Pastor, you just say the words and I'll extend my hand and we'll see what will happen. And we saw people get healed that night. Stomach pain, back pain, legs, ankles, neck. I saw somebody that didn't even believe that God could heal and they came up out of faith and God touched them and healed them. And what the crazy thing about this, guys, is that this is the kind of faith that God is looking for. He's looking for people that will put their faith in action. Faith is not a noun, it's a verb. Faith is a verb. It, my body may be attacked by sickness, but I'll still take you at your word and believe that by his stripes I am healed. My, my kids might have walked away from God, but the devil is a liar, isn't he? That, that he who began a good work within them will be faithful to complete it. If I gotta pray them out of that relationship, I will pray them out of that relationship. If I gotta pray that they will get so sick of alcohol that they stop drinking, I'm gonna pray that prayer. I'm gonna pray that leader and that pastor back into their life. God is looking for some people that will walk up to the devil and punk him and say, get my kids out of their mouth. You can't have my kids. You can't have my husband. You can't have my marriage. You can't have my mind. You can't have my wife. You can't have my family. Give it back because I still believe that my God moves mountains. I still believe that my God shuts the mouth of lions. And I still believe that my God will be in the fire with me. And I know it because he who can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I I can ask or imagine is with me. Do you have that kind of faith? The kind of faith that will stop God in his tracks. The kind of faith that will say, I can use somebody like you. God is looking for some people who have active faith. The kind of people that aren't just pleased with just sitting in church every single week thinking that they're right with God. Even demons come to church. We got to have the kind of radical faith if we want to see a move of God. We have bigger church buildings today and more rows and more passive Christians. Because we have people who are just standing on the sidelines watching the enemy come and destroy families. And we say, what a shame that never should have happened. What if instead of sending the prayer emoji, we actually prayed for people? I'm guilty of it. I go, yeah, I'll pray for you. God healed them in Jesus' name. And I walk away. And God, 
That, that doesn't, what kind of faith do we have? If you have this much faith, use it and watch God multiply it. If you have this much faith, use it and watch God multiply it. He'll, he'll multiply whatever you have if you'll use it. The kind of faith that will say, you know what, let's take our friend, put him on a mat and rip the roof off and watch God heal them. The kind of faith that say, you know what, you've been sick for too long. We got to go to center point. The, the kind of faith, guys, that, that we say, instead of saying to our kids, you can't hang out at that person's house, we say, you know, we got to get that family to church. We got we to rethink this whole thing about faith. Well, pastor, you know, I've always believed that there's a God and, you know, and yeah, when was the last time you prayed for somebody? When was the last time that you, you counseled somebody? When was the last time that you invited somebody to church? When was the last time that you sat down with your child and you reminded them of the stories that God did in your life? When was the last time that you prayed for your husband? When was the last time that you prayed for your wife? You say that you have faith. Where is the actions behind it? God is not impressed by you saying, yeah, I've always believed that there's a God. Really? Well, then why aren't you praying for people? <laughs> you, you say that God is, is a provider. Do you tithe? You say that God is a healer. Do you pray for the sick? You say that, you know, God is a deliverer. Yeah, one thing that I know for certain, and, and God help me say this the way that you, you gave it to me. Even your own testimony, you'll stop believing if you stop telling it. I want to have the kind of faith that I don't even have time to talk about my testimony because I got so many other stories that God has came through that you would have to give me a week. You would have to give me an entire book to finally get to my testimony. I just, I feel like there's a lot of us who are at God's very best. You have some anointing on your life. You have amazing gifts that God has placed inside of you, but they are dormant. Because you just think, well, I'm in sin. I'll just wait till next seek week. Well, I, I'm in sin. I'll just wait till the singles conference. <laughs> you know, when my kids are teenagers, then I'll start serving in youth. Well, you know, when we start making this much money, then I'll start tithing. One thing I know is that there's a lot of people who don't believe in God because they, they disagree with our theology and our beliefs. But people can't deny power. And when you heal somebody of cancer, you'll get a whole neighborhood coming to church. You'll see people coming from all over. Tristan, the, the young boy that, that you met earlier today, two weeks ago, he had three gangbangers coming into church. They're not here. I already scanned the room. Don't worry. And <laughs> don't put the nine on live. <laughs> it came to church. He brings him up to me and says, Pastor, will you pray? This is my pastor. Will you pray for, for, for my friends? I met, I met him in Hemet. Oh, I need security. No. Uh, yeah, I pray, I pray when the, but what, what's the point? The point is that he's got radical faith right now because he's putting his faith in action. His faith is alive. If you're not using your faith, your faith is dying. If you stop talking about the stories of how God came through, You'll stop thinking of them as testimonies. You'll just think of them as stories. Maybe it happened like that. You know, God really challenged me because when I had to write a book called Faith in the Middle, 
I remember sitting there writing this book and, and multiple times I put the pen down and I said, I can't write this, God. I, cannot, I can't write this book. And he said, why not? And I said, because if I write this book, I'm always gonna have to have the kind of faith to believe for healing. And he said, well, do you really believe that I can heal? He said, he said what, what did I do for your wife? What did I do for Brooke? Did I not heal her of lupus? Did I not touch her body? I touched her body and healed her so that you could see it, so that you would believe and pray for people. I want you to be a believing, believing pastor, a pastor who truly believes what he talks about. What has God done in your life? What has God freed you from? You should be sharing that story with other people. Put that faith back in action. James 2.18 says it this way. Now, someone may argue some people have faith and others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You know, some, sometimes I, you know, I, I have people who, they'll say like, I, I wanna have the kind of faith that, or the, I wanna be as on fire for God as you are. You know, you're, you're, you're such a blessing, you know, and all, and all these things, and I, and I say, that's great, and I said, they said, how do I get that kind of faith or that kind of, you know, fire in my life? And I said, you just got to take more risks. You got to take more risks because every single time I take a risk, I feel like he ignites a new flame within me. I was sitting in a coffee shop with, with a friend named Chris. He's the young adults director here, and, or I think he is, and we're sitting here and, uh, and in, at a coffee shop, and we're talking about how God heals people. And we're just like, man, this is so amazing. He's sharing stories and I'm sharing stories and, and we're, we're conversing back and forth. All of a sudden, out of the coffee shop comes a man with a cane. I'm looking at him and I said, we can't just talk about it. We gotta do something about it. I said, come on, let's go pray for him. He goes, okay. So we walk up to this guy and ask him, I said, hey, you know, uh, I'm James, this is Chris. And, you know, I said, um, I said uh, we, we would really like to pray for you. How long have you been sick? What's wrong with your knee? Like, you know, he's limping, he's coughing. He's like, I got the flu right now and I got this knee problem. And he was like, sure, you can pray for me. And I said, all right. And so we just laid our hand on him and prayed for him. And uh, even if he didn't get healed, guys, you know what's crazy is that that person would have walked away feeling loved. But you know what did happen? He walked away without that cane. And we watched him walk all the way down Old Town Marietta Strip without a cane in his hand. I said, maybe he's faking it. Maybe he'll put the cane down. Can you still see him? He's past the stop sign three blocks down the street. Guy's walking like this, skipping with his cane in his hand. That kind of faith ignites something back in you and says, oh, wow, that was powerful. You want to know what something else is powerful? This one time. And then you start remembering stories of how God came through. When we stop sharing, our, our, they just become stories. Maybe that's what the message should have been about today because I didn't share that last night. But how will we know that God is a healer unless we pray for people? People will get saved when you put your faith in action. God gave it to me this way. I want you to, if you like taking notes, if your faith isn't being tested, then you're not a real threat. If you're just saying, well, you know, <clears throat> my life's fine. I'm happy with my life. I'm good. No real problems. Everything's just going, I'm just coasting. You're not really taking risks. I can share the load if you need some, some, some burdens and some things, you know. <clears throat> Every attack that you don't act on is an attack on your own faith. 
When you see somebody walking by and you don't do something, what is happening? You're not taking action. And if you're not taking action, your faith is dying. So every attack that you don't act on is a direct attack on your own faith. If your faith isn't growing, then your faith is dying. God is looking for someone who will build an ark where there's no rain. People say it's crazy. I love the story of Noah, don't you? That he's like, I gotta go build this ark. He's got a wife and she goes, okay, God told you to build an ark, that's cool. All right, yeah, go get some wood. He starts building the next day. Honey, I gotta go build the ark. She goes, all right, that's good. A year later, honey, I can't hang out this morning. I gotta go build the ark. Why are you building an ark? There's no rain. Two years later, I gotta go build an ark. God told me a a word two years ago. I got to go build an ark. Five years later, six years later, seven years later, I got to go build an ark. At some point, everybody's like, you're ridiculous. There's that crazy guy who says that the flood is coming. There's no flood coming, no rain in sight. and, And he's out there working by himself. I'm just building. He told me that I needed to build this. Even though everybody else says I'm crazy, I still take him at his word. I'm going to build this thing. 11 years later, still building an ark. Then the flood came. God is looking for people who have that kind of faith. Everybody else would say, you're ridiculous. That's never going to happen. And God will come through. Verse 19 and verse 20 says this as we wrap up. You say that you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish, can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? The thing is, is that demons believe that God is real, it's just that they don't submit to him. They They don't worship him. It is by faith that Abraham was counted as righteous. Your faith produces righteousness, which is something that they don't have. And I... You know, I, I've, seen, I've seen this actually in reality. I really have. I've seen demons before where, where you know, I've been in church services at a, at a church. I, I might have shared this, might not have. But, but, you know, about a year ago, I got invited to a church, haven't been invited back. And, and uh, I prayed for somebody. And as soon as I laid my hand on him and started praying for him, she started hissing at me. And I, and I said, word? <laughs> I made eye contact with her like this. And I was like, lift your head back up. And I, and I prayed for her again. She starts hissing at me. She starts rolling her body like this, like a snake. And I was like, I didn't finish seminary school. Somebody else pray for this lady right now. <laughs> Brooke, I mean, call your wife. That's what husbands do. When there's ever there's a real problem, call your wife, right? She comes over. She looks over. She's hissing at her. She's like, oh, my gosh. We start praying for this, this young lady. We take her into another room with the pastor. We sit her down in a chair. She goes, what are we doing in here? She didn't even know. So we're going to pray for you, honey. And uh, so we start praying for her. She starts roaring and hissing and starts body rolling. She's eyes are rolling in the back of her head. She falls down on the front and on the floor on her knees. We pick her back up, give her dignity back, back, put her back in a chair. And we start praying again. Nothing's happening. She's still like making crazy noises and scene. And I said, oh, oh, yeah, we didn't even say the name of Jesus yet. And I said, in the name of Jesus, stop. And she stopped hissing and roaring. She made eye contact with me. You know why? Because when I said the name of Jesus, it was like a heavy hand came into the room and sat her in the chair and said, be still. 
there was the glory of the God came and fell in that room at that moment. Within moments, this woman went from being demonically oppressed to set free. The smell left the room. She wasn't hissing at us anymore. She was in her right mind. She then decided, I want to go get baptized. We took her over to the tank and baptized her right there just to make sure you know, she didn't come. <laughs> Sorry. And uh, she gets baptized. She comes out. And, and I just, this really challenged me, though, because I started thinking through, wow, this, this, all this stuff is real. All of it. I want to have the kind of faith that I get to be in those kind of rooms so I can have those kind of stories so that I can point to him and say, that's nothing that I can do to God be the glory. I want to have the kind of faith that God says, I got to put my very best out there. I'm going to put somebody out there who isn't going to run in fear because in, in Hollywood films, people beg demons not to hurt them. But in the real world, Demons beg Jesus not to send them back. Listen, I, I think that there are a lot of people all across the spectrum in this room right now who, who probably are at different places within their journey with God and within their faith. And, and I, I just want to challenge you today. If you really could be honest with yourself and, and search your heart, you know if you've been actively pursuing God with your faith. You, you know if, if you've really been all in. Listen, you, you can't fool God. Man can be impressed because, you know, we're, we're certain with things, but, but, you know, certainty, follow me with this, certainty is the absence of faith and therefore can't please God. So, listen, you, you can't fool God in this room. You know if you're right with God. Maybe it's, Maybe you got to come up with a plan. If you, if you don't have a plan right now, you should come up with one. When am I going to get involved serving? When am I going to start actively pursuing my faith? Don't just let your best stories be 20 years ago. Let your best stories be this week. Have your eyes open, looking for an assignment from God. Asking God, God, is there somebody in this coffee shop you want me to pray for? Is there a coworker that I know I'm supposed to invite to church and their marriage is crumbling and I haven't been actively praying for them? I had a friend who was struggling with pornography. We had met so many times and he couldn't get free. I said, you know what, enough is enough. I said, we're going on a fast. I said, I'm gonna fast with you and I'm gonna keep fasting until you break this thing. And I put God to the test. Three days later, he said, I have no more struggle right now to, to, to watch pornography. I said, to God be the glory. Have that kind of faith. Put your faith in action. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this place right now, all across this room and outside and online, if you don't know God, or you do know God, but you know that your faith is not active, your faith is dead, it's, it's not about simply just knowing about God, it's about knowing God, believing your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you're sitting in this room and... And you know you're not right with God. I want to challenge you to rededicate your life, to make a decision to follow Christ. Make this a bloodline in the sand to say, I'm changing after this point. Maybe in, maybe in, your, in your ancestors and everybody else, has, everybody else has gotten divorced or gone to jail or never finished college or never really went to church. 
Let there be a bloodline right now, that a line that is crossed to say, as for my generation, as for my kids, as for my family, we will not get divorced. We will go to church and we will believe God is who he says that he is. And we will give our lives over to Christ. And you will watch as, as the generations are changed. Your children's children will be impacted by this decision today. Your entire family will change by you just inviting the Holy Spirit to come in. So if you're sitting here right now and you want to give your life to Jesus, I'm going to count to three. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. I want to see who I'm praying with. We're going to pray and then we're going to celebrate and go back into worship. One, Jesus loves you so much that he died on the cross for your sins. He physically wears your mistakes as scars because he is proud to say that he knows you and loves you. Two, today is the day of salvation. Don't leave this room questioning your faith. Leave this room knowing that you are right with God. God is pleased with you because you rededicated your faith and put your trust back in him. Three, all across this room, if you want to give your life to the Lord, raise your hand. Sir, I see your hand. I see your hand. Hands in the back. Raise it high so I can see you. I see your hand. Whole family in the back over there. It's wonderful. Hands over here as well. Come on, I'm going to wait another moment. Don't push the Holy Spirit away. Wonderful. I see your hand, ma'am. The Bible says that if you will humble yourself before God, God will exalt you. But God resists those who are proud. Those who have pride, he resists you. When you raised your hand just now, you were humbly submitting yourself to say, I need God. I'm no fool. I, I need God. I, I still need him. Don't, don't let my six digits in my, in my bank account fool you. I, I still am a work in progress. I still need God. I need him to change me. I, I need him to save me. I, I need him to come into my life. My life is a ruin and a mess. You need him. I need him. I need him every day. I want to pray with you right now for those of you who raise your hand. Just say something like this out loud after me. Jesus... I give my life to you in this moment. I trust you to have occupancy within my heart. I choose to believe that you died on the cross for my sins and took my place, but death couldn't hold you, that you were raised to life. The same spirit that raised you from the dead now lives in me. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Would you all stand up to your feet right now? We're going to finish out closing.